This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got nards. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. They're all gonna laugh at you. I'm listening to the Jersey Cools. Hey, everybody. M-O-O-N. That spells what's up. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. That's right. If you have a guest by my oh-so-clever introduction tonight, we are tackling the stand. And we have with us a very special guest. Yeah, from the Mise on Scream podcast. I hear that one's a real wiener. It is a real wiener. (laughs) (laughs) The lovely Katie is joining us. Thank you for being here. My life for you! <laughs> My life for you! I, I, I will be personally serenading everyone with Baby Kid, You Did Your Man as the ending to this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he's a righteous man. Only Trash Kids version. He's yeah. Righteous. <laughs> righteous. <laughs> righteous. <laughs> uh, so to clarify, uh, we're, we're talking more about the miniseries from 1994 than the 1978 book, but we will kind of touch on some plot points from the book. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so this is this is a 1994 made-for-television miniseries adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand that was aired in May of that year um, and was directed by Katie's best friend, Nick Garris. He is my best friend. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and well, this was the 25th anniversary of its debut. And it also got this awesome 4K release from Screen Factory. And so they got a lot of celebrating for 2019 to 1994's Stand. Yeah, and I would argue this is probably, in my opinion, one of these Stephen King TV adaptations that holds up the best. Yeah, it has really strong acting and characters, except for Molly Ringwald. Um, <laughs> Her bangs are the real star yeah. of the show. Yeah, I just I remember the first time I ever watched this, and I real and that was the moment I realized that outside of John Hughes movies, she's terrible. Like she's really not a good actress. Oh, okay. She she doesn't react well. Like she delivers her lines and then she just kind of is like, eh. like she doesn't know what to do with her hands and it was really distracting. She's definitely an ugly crier. That much I know. Yeah. <laughs> like Carrie Mulligan over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah, think she is bothering me. Claire Danes. Have you ever seen Claire Danes? Watching my so called uh, life, Claire. I love Claire Danes. I would do the dirtiest things to Claire Danes, but she is an ugly crier and oh, this is yeah. speaking from myself who also ugly crier i'm adorable 24 7 but the moment the tears start flowing just put a bag over my head like it is not pretty <laughs> 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 um, 
So yeah, so this book was uh, based loosely on, originally on a short story by Kane called Night Surf that was originally published in 1969 in the literary journal, which gives <laughs> yeah. hopes to me and every other aspiring uh, our writer out there because if he can yeah. start in literary journals and magazines, then the rest of us have. Well, and I distinctly remember that story from when I was, you know, a little 14, 15 year old writer having read it. And I like was trying to write my own version of Night Surf, but I couldn't not just write Night Surf. Like, <laughs> like I couldn't get around like, okay, we're on a beach and there's a plague and they're burning bodies and maybe it's, ah, shoot, I'm just writing Night Surf again. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny too, because you're not wrong. I feel like everything I've ever done and I mean this as the highest compliment ever, is somehow an imitation of Stephen King. Like, he has had such a profound impact on who I am as not only a horror fan, but also as, like, an English literature person and a writer. Yeah. Well, something really interesting, because he and Garris did an um, interview together about The Stand on Postmortem, which is Mick Garris's podcast. Um, shout out, because he's my best friend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and they, uh, they were talking about how the way King writes is he doesn't believe in plot. He doesn't, he's like, I don't really believe in plot. I believe in the characters all existing and being able to travel with them. And that was one of his biggest challenges in writing screenplays and transitioning is that he, you have to have a plot and you don't get to play with the character and think about the thoughts that they're thinking and stuff because he really does. And if, that, if anything is a testament to that, it's the stand. Uh, how the, the characters weave and I'll admit that I get through about half of it and then I'm like, I feel like reading something else like Pet Cemetery. <laughs> like, um, but I, it, it, the intertwining and the way he weaves everything together, it's very Breakfast of Champions by Pavon. Yeah, and I think it's what makes it so hard to make a Stephen King movie out of a Stephen King book because uh, I think we saw that with it, we saw it with The Stand. He is His stuff is so character driven and the heart of everything he does to me is characterization and theme and I feel like that rarely ever tr like translates well unless you said like like we said unless he's at the helm of it um I also think that at the end of the day if we can just while we're talking about him and his style he deserves so much more fucking credit and deserves to be taken so much more seriously as like someone important in the canon of American literature because I feel like because he writes horror and because it's popular people dismiss him in the academic world and it pisses me the fuck off uh, academically, I was gonna say I think a lot of people think he's pretty awesome, but no, um, but like you, yeah. like you'd be hard pressed to find him in any like syllabus for any American literature right. courses. I did in high school. Uh, we uh, my it's freshman year of high school did a book report on Cujo. They let me. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> awesome. So should we summarize this thing? Oh, <laughs> Jackie, it's your it's, it's your. Uh, okay, well I will say that the. The miniseries is broken up into four parts. Mm -hmm. We've got The Plague, The Dreams, The Betrayal, and The Stand. So I think the long and short of it is the government has concocted a super flu, and it gets out. And it Captain is- Captain Trips. Captain Trips. Captain, did you Captain say Captain trips. Titties? Captain Titties. <laughs> that was what that's, I, in my head. That's my flu. My flu is Captain Titties. <laughs> no, Captain, yeah, Captain Trips. So yeah, it's, it's a super flu that is like, crazy contagious and in a matter of no time is passed to pretty much the you know the entire world uh there are you know a percentage of people that are immune to it and those survivors basically get split into two camps of good and bad essentially uh the good follow the path of mother abigail and the bad follow randall flag mm -hmm. who um 
I mean, we're, we're pretty much, you know, it's, it's good versus evil, light versus dark with those two camps. Uh, and, you know, after the two factions are, you know, settled, it then becomes we need to send some of the good guys into the bad guy camp to find out what they're doing. Randall Flagg essentially wants to destroy the world. Mother Abigail's people want to save the world and rebuild and, you know, from this ash rise again. And um, Stephen King fails to write a good ending. Hey. But, you know... Hey. <laughs> in the end, hey, the good person. Even even King jokes about it in, in chapter two. So <laughs> we're all allowed to say it now. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. You know, in the miniseries, it's not a good ending. In the miniseries, it's not so bad. But in the book, it's just one of those things where he like he ends he like the 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 ending plot point happens, but then the story still goes on for like another hundred pages. Like like any good Stephen <laughs> King. Um, but I see. I would defend the book's ending because I really like the idea of Stu and Franny being like, "Well, fuck, they don't want to live here either." Like, yeah, it's it's we're just gonna do the same thing we did. I think there's a poignant, like they miss the mark in the miniseries with the ending versus the book because I think just them staring at the baby and going, "Oh, I wonder if she'll be better." Like, no, bro, she won't. That's why oh, you, di- you didn't dig the floating Mother Abigail head. Jesus, I can't <laughs> even fucking put. I can't even. <laughs> I tried to pretend it didn't exist. Um, yeah, so. There was the Oscars style in memoriam that, that yeah. played on the screen. It wasn't even like after the things. It was like during yes, no, it the was ending during. moment. Yeah. <laughs> I will give them though, the, the CGI uh, hand of God or whatever that destroys, <laughs> that blows up the warhead. I will give them credit that that's better CGI than they had in the Langoliers. Because the Langoliers... <laughs> had really, really bad CGI. So at least the hand was a little bit better. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Stephen King just like runs out of cocaine by the end of the book or <laughs> what happens, but like, it's true. There's so many classic old time stories of his that are bonkers good. And then you get to the ending and you're like, really dude? Like, and it's always been one of my issues, but again, I love him to death. So he can do no wrong in my eyes. Well, and that, I like, I do love his short stories for that because sometimes because he knows they're short, he just ends them. And there are a few like that just will always like rivet me. Like Boogeyman is one of them mm-hmm. that comes to mind and Nona where you ju- he just ends it on this fever pitch of amazing. Yeah. And it's like, he doesn't, he knows he doesn't have the word count to, to ruin the rest of it. So he just shuts it down and then it submits it and it, it's all history now. So it's a good thing. The short stories are good things. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's some of my favorite stuff of his. Um, I also think, like, I think it's interesting. I, I was doing, I was doing a little research, Jackie. <laughs> and uh, I, I found out a couple things. First of all, he was apparently writing a fictionalization of the Patty Hearst story when he decided to shift gears and write about uh, the stand. Um, apparently, uh, Rob, uh, Flag was loosely based either in the Dark Tower or wherever he first came to invention um, on the guy who took Patty Hearst, Cap- like Donald DeFries, right? Is that the guy who took him? Um, and like apparently he was very much into this kind of mythology of like the working class heroes too at the time because he actually named the book <laughs> af- 
after. <laughs> Sorry. We're, can, can we talk about Randall Flagg's Canadian tuxedo? Like, denim Jesus is hell, man. Nice, man. Hell is denim and denim is hell. Hell, yeah. No, that's one of my big takeaways is that if you really want to scare me, put a guy in stonewash denim on denim. Oh, like, I called him Denim Dan in my notes. <laughs> it was like, they were like, can we make the least scary looking motherfucker ever? And they were like, yep, here he is. You know, I, I don't I'm know. I'm sorry. Are not are mullets not scary to you? Because mullets scare me. Oh, and that is that is a wig. He did yeah. not have long hair. Right, and they didn't even initially. He didn't even have that. That was like a last minute decision that they yeah. thought made the character better. He, they I thought he was scary. more rugged. Yeah, they thought it would make him a little bit more like oh, God. Bruce Springsteen-ish. But and, but I guess Bruce Sting was the character for Sinise, though. He was the inspiration for Correct, Stu. yeah. And, and Jungle Land, the, the song Jungle Land is where he got the name The Stand from anyway. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so I think Bruce, there's Bruce Juice flowing all through this, which I personally love. I love the Bruce Juice. Yeah, yes. born to I mean, run, man. Jesus, I'm, we're from Jersey. It's like a required. Don't yeah, say it. No. Don't fucking say I'm it. Gonna say it. Bon, I'm Bon Jovi Jersey. Oh my God. I'm Bon Jovi Jersey. She would. She would. Um, no, <laughs> no, no. Greetings from Benjamin Park, one of the best albums of all time. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a, uh, in this miniseries, mm-hmm. there is a bevy of cameos in this miniseries. So many cameos. So many cameos. Oh Wait, Especially I have a cameo from- count. From the horror community. I think it's, it, I, my final count was six, not including, um, not including, why am I forgetting his name? The Lieutenant, Ed Harris. Ed Harris, okay, yeah, I wasn't counting. So in the horror community alone, in the beginning, the deputy, or the sheriff, Joe Bob Briggs. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in one of the towns, one of the lookouts was Sam Raimi. What? Around yeah. around the no, campfire. Sam Raimi is the guy that uh, he that Flag kills. Yeah, he yeah, he's judge. like in yeah. that little town. He's like a lookout, and then they go kill the judge. That's one of the guys. Is the guy that that Flag kills is Sam Raimi. John Landis is one of the guys sitting around the campfire. Yeah. Um, I think there was another one, but that's one that I remember. Well, because I wrote down like in my notes, I'm like, is that Joe Bob Briggs? Is that yeah. Sam Raimi? Is that John Landis? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm so busy. Well, and then of course we got we got King and Mick being besties in Freeland, Free Zone, mm-hmm. uh, and my personal all-time goddamn favorite, Kathy Bates. Oh yeah, she was amazing. It was just my favorite in that, like Ray her Flowers, Ray Flowers the radio in the radio DJ. station. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, okay, right. and I love her. Like she's just so badass. She just keeps recording. Just like they're coming in. They got guns. I don't know what's gonna happen here. And it was, she, it was just so committed, awesome. I can't help get the vibe that like that's what Kathy Bates would do in real life. Like she yeah. seems like that kind of fucking badass that she's in real life. There was Agreed. no acting there. That's what Kathy Bates would do in that apocalyptic no, she, situation. She's 100% she would. That bitch. She would. Well, do and that. she had just come off winning the Academy Award for Misery, and she comes on. She's just like King wants me to do something. Cool, I'm in. Yeah, yeah like, That's whatever. the kind of person she is too. Yeah. Uh, I think another cameo, um, and I haven't double-checked this, but I'm pretty sure it's the same. The hotel in Vegas where Randall Flagg stays, I'm pretty sure that's also Biff's from Back to the Future 2. I I was thinking that. I think think it's the same set. I think it is. And I got super excited that they were At least the exterior. Yeah, Yeah, it definitely. Yeah. Wow, you guys know so much more. I was just so busy, like, fo- uh, ugh, I'm sorry. Focusing on the extensive plot. 
Yeah, I, I, I missed almost all of that. Yeah, that's, that's exciting. <laughs> I want to go back and rewatch. Um, yeah. This, to me, this book also creates the dystopian subgenre. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know there were books before this, and I did, I, I looked into those. Yeah, I mean, Matheson, that. come on. You, absolutely. Um, <laughs> although I, I more credit, yeah. But like, I definitely think that this book like really wrote the fucking like set the stage for what would become like such a popular YA subgenre. Well, know? and I um, find it so interesting too because he d- he wanted to do his Lord of the Rings, and he yeah, just wanted to very it, yeah, his, but he wanted it to be very real world, very like the inspirations come from Tolkien and Matheson. Yeah. And I think it's also very Americanized. Like, I think a lot of what is done with the idea of ending the world is ending America. And I think he plays a lot on that, both in the book and the miniseries, where it's like, you know, kind of playing with, like, the the notion of what is America, and is it ultimately a failed experiment or a good one? And I think there's always a glimmer of hope with King in America. I think, like so many of us, he has to end things thinking there's there's some sort of hope there. Yeah. So I have a question. Yep. So the world's ending and you're getting the dreams. Do you go to Flag or Abigail? Oh, mayhaps I go to Abigail. Mayhaps I go to Flag. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Jackie? She's going to Flag. I'm not going to Flag, but I'm not going to Abigail either. You're Harold. Is what <laughs> <laughs> also, what does being evil cure acne? Because the, the worse he gets, the, the, like, the, the more spots the clear up. Oh my god. And can we just talk a minute about that outfit? Oh, every Look, he goes. He, he goes from this like tortured poet to mm-hmm. like try really like wannabe studded leather chaps, alligator boots. Like, when he's like gonna get some Whitney did and he wears the shirt with the roses on it. Like, oh, yeah. are you in real life, Harold Parker Lewis? What are you doing? I know. I loved Parker Lewis. <laughs> I love Parker Lewis. Um, yeah, no, he's he is one of my favorite characters though because I think he's it's so fascinating because like. Scene? The scene in the basement is what that gets me all oh the time. Oh my god! All right, disco queen. Where's my note, Marissa? This one is for you. <laughs> my note say? was my note was a couple of blowjobs later, and now Harold is an aggressive, toxic male. <laughs> he is toxic. <laughs> like, where do you get off, Harold? All of a sudden, you're like a fucking abusive spouse. Yeah, like, fuck I off. know. He's like, don't screw with my disco. Yeah, woman. He'll be like, get yeah. out of here, woman. Um, I'm like, I can't with this kid. He deserves yeah, the death he gets. Yeah. Um, and how about Nadine? I mean, in the book, she's a lot better developed. Like, she's mm-hmm. this teacher. She's, like, this lonely soul before it yeah. all happens. Yeah. Um, but I really like her character and, like, the way she, she ends by killing, like, killing herself to fuck him, you know? like I really like, is it Laura San Giacomo? Mm-hmm. I, I like her in pretty much everything she does. And Same. I thought she pl- I, she played the, that tortured, like sometimes it was a little over the top, but I think it like works really well that you never, you never gave up on her. Even yeah. when it looked like she was giving up on herself, you always kind of thought she's going to do the right thing in the end. And then she does, even though it means, you know, yeah. taking her own life. Well, like there's so many awesome, like weird female characters in, in this story. Like, I agree that Nadine is very empowered even when, I gotta be honest with you, I don't remember the rape and subsequent behavior being so fucking affecting when I was little. I probably didn't get it, I guess, in 1994. Yeah. You mean the fireside, like. Oh my god, it was brutal. <laughs> when he like rutted her. <laughs> See, and, like, and then you had to watch him like gyrate. I was like, come on, this is made for TV, bro. Um, and, and like, I liked, and I think it's just the dude who plays Lloyd being a lot better than he had any right to be, like an, uh, of an actor. 
but like I liked Lloyd's occasional oh, show. Oh, Miguel Ferrer. Yeah, I love like he's him. awesome. Oh, I love, yeah. love he's him. A great actor because he brought a level of depth to Lloyd that I'm not sure is there in the books. You know what I mean? Like we're we're because Lloyd in the books really to me is pure evil. Like he's like a dude yeah. who does bad because that's how he rolls. But like Lloyd in the miniseries, I find myself thinking he's gonna change every time. Yeah, I'm I like feel like I would I would be where like Lloyd was <laughs> in the apocalypse, where it's like this guy. He, he's picking me up. He's real, rebuilding the city. They got the lights turned on and all everything picked mm-hmm. up before everybody else. He gave me a purpose when I felt like I was purposeless and I was going to lose everything because everyone around me died. And then to feel indebted to that, even if you're not like okay with the overarching plan and like you have to, you kind of keep digging yourself in this hole and you're just like, I get, I mean, it's, you know, I feel like I'm indebted. I feel like that's where I would end up. (laughs) Well, you know, and and that's exactly what I see in Lloyd, where it's like, you know, he has these moments of, I mean, he knows that he's on the wrong side. He knows that Flag is on the wrong side. But especially in in, in the book, it comes through that everyone in Lloyd's life has failed him, has stabbed him in the back, has mistreated him. And Randall Flag comes along and is the first person to ever lift Lloyd up in any sense. You know, mm-hmm. he, you know, he gets him out of jail. He keeps that promise. He makes him his number one. You know, he, he puts people, you know, Lloyd becomes important because of flag. And I think it's even like a line in the, in the movie where the one guy tries to say like, Hey, we're going, mm-hmm. come with us. And he's like, I can't leave him. And he's like, you're crazy. He's like, maybe I am, but like, yes, I am. yeah, but like, he's like, you know, when everybody else in the world doubted me, flag flag was there for me mm-hmm. and it's not so much that he wants to be there because he believes in what flag is doing he just has this loyalty to flag because no one has ever treated him as good yeah and i think that ties so nicely to the theme a couple of the themes about serving a deity of some sort because i think number one inherently evil and bad is going to be more appealing like it's going to do more for you especially when you're lost and you're hopeless i think it's a lot easier to subscribe to any ideologies what what are you laughing at I told Marissa that I had like I had my Marissa moment, oh. and I did a little research. Did a little, little research. Did a little, ah, did a little research. I did, did a little research, did a little and research. I actually kind of associated some of the characters with like religious, not religious archetypes in the sense of like actual religious figures, but like people, like people in general. Okay. Like, and I have like Harold as as that, as the follower, who was just so desperate to find something to be accepted in, that when Flag comes along, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the evangelicals, where right. he goes to that extreme, and he found mm-hmm. something that will accept him, so he runs to that. Um, I do like his, I was misled. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, Ralph was my, his, he's my true believer. He like, is? Ralph yeah. has always believed. <laughs> Ralph was raised yeah. Catholic. He was confirmed. He stayed with it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Stu is my born again because <laughs> Stu was kind of out of it yeah. for a while and then something mm-hmm. happened and he saw the light. Mm-hmm. Nick is my friendly atheist who I relate to very much. <laughs> he doesn't believe, but I think Glenn fills that role But too. he, he's but like he's on guy. kind of like the side of good, yeah. you know, like he knows yeah. the right or wrong. And then I said, Larry was my, uh, he was my, uh, holiday Catholic that only goes to church on Christmas. <laughs> I like it. Of course, if we're going with traditional archetypes, Fran is obviously <laughs> our Virgin Mary. If we're going for like legit. Oh yeah. Cause she archetypes. does no, no daddy. Yeah. She, she is our Virgin. I Mary. mean, obviously there's a daddy, but <laughs> right. it's um, 
<laughs> no, it was it's her dead boyfriend Jess, right? Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. No, what I really liked what I really liked about Glenn, what I was like when you were saying that, and I remember thinking it as I was watching it, because I kind of was like, like, there's a lot of, you know, the very religious overtones to it and the kind of, you have to pick a side. And it's like, well, what if I'm somebody that doesn't want to pick a side? You know, that kind of thing. And I liked, I think Glenn made a lot of the like God and devil like stuff really palatable for somebody who's a lot more agnostic um, or like any other type of thing where it's like, it's, it's, there's a force of good and there's a force of evil. And if you call that God, then that's your business. And if you call that the devil, then that's your yes. business. I might call it something else, but we have to acknowledge there's an evil force and there's a good force. Yeah, and I, I like it's almost I, Star Wars esque in my eyes because there's a light side, there's a Jedi in the dark. The yeah, there's the yeah. good side and the dark, the bad side, and they balance each other out. And I think that King, one of the things I found fascinating about this book is that it's really the most religious he's ever gotten in writing. And like, I think he himself has been like, oh, this is the, the dark tale of Christianity and my struggles with religion and all this other crap when he talks about it. Yet so many like Bible thumpers use this book as like, you see, God will be, you know, like I read so many articles that were like, yay Jeebus. And the stand shows yeah. that. And see, and I, and I'm with you, Katie. I think that it is a very palatable way to look at this notion of struggling with religious identity and struggling with joining sides, if you will, and, and what it means to have faith. And, and, and I love that about it because I don't, think he's shoving religion down our throats and and yet so many people interpret it that way and i find it mm-hmm. very interesting yeah. but i like what this this book has to say see especially it. especially in the in the third story in the betrayal uh one of my final notes of that is things are getting super jesusy up in here uh because it does start to get really for someone that doesn't believe um you know i kind of started to write things ranting about you know Mother Abigail leaves because of the sin of pride. And I think the idea of sin, for the most part, is like bullshit. Like there were these, like, you know, sins that were created that basically were made to keep people in line, you know? So. Oh, see, I took her as like a Christ-like figure where like she, she went away because like Christ, she like couldn't handle the burden of it all and felt like she was like haunting up. And, and again, I would probably argue I'm the most, ar- arguably the more religious of the two of us. Not arguably, I'm definitely <laughs> the more religious because I am definitely like agnostic at, at best and, and Episcopalian at worst, but I definitely. <laughs> at I def- worst. Yeah, at least in Jackie's <laughs> eyes. Um, but I definitely, sh- I do, I, I kind of see where you get that. I think that why this, you feel that way though, is because their God or what they call God or the white or whatever really is demanding and fucked up and asks a lot of them. And I think that that's a really interesting statement on faith and how hard and grueling it can be and and what a sacrifice it can be to fucking hold on to something so abstract and and have it demand so much of you when you're not even sure that it's there. So like, I could see where that was off-putting to someone who doesn't buy into it, Mm -hmm. but to someone who kind of likes the notion of faith, even if in its most abstract forms, I, I dug that. I dug the idea of we're asking a lot of these people. Like, fuck, they have to go and, like, die for it. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I don't know. I found that interesting. But it was off-putting to you. Yeah, because religion's bullshit, so. Well, <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite lines that Flag says is when, when, Nadine, when he's in one of Nadine's dreams and he says some, like, 
quote. And Nadine's like, is that the Bible? And Flag goes, Daniel Steele, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I love those kind of lines. And, and, and there's no denying the appeal of Flag and what he sells. And I think that that's a really poignant statement, not even so much on religion to me as it is a statement on like politics and American life. <laughs> like if I could just completely shift gears here, like <laughs> I don't even know so much that this to me is a struggle of like religion versus like the devil versus God. I think it's more of a struggle of like being a good person maybe versus being like trying to be American and trying to be good versus trying to be American and be America. <laughs> like I, I, I hope you're trying to I'm not trying to say anything like towards one group or another I'm saying that I think there's two Americans I think there's good people and there's shitty people right just like I, I, I just the world. Uh, that's what I'm saying that's my that's my face that's but the face this, I'm making is that I think that's just a world thing I think but there's he like, but he makes it an American version of that with the Midwest yeah. as a representation with Las Vegas being like the the height of like you know sin is as yeah. you kind of pulled it I mm. think you're right I think that's the struggle everywhere I know it's the human condition but I would argue that this book really resonates because it's it's a very Americanized version of that struggle well that in in the miniseries itself at the end when ralph and larry are like you know tied up and ready to be drawn and quartered the one guy this who stands up he goes this isn't what we do this isn't what americans mm -hmm. do yeah. um you know yes he actually he flat out and, and in the in the book that speech is a lot bigger and it kind of calls to this idea of the history of this country is fucked up what are we? Are we the bad guys? Are we the people who rip people apart limb by limb? Are we, or do we stand for something better? And I think that's the constant struggle that is uniquely American. I think one of the things I've learned about taking on America as my cultural identity is that we got some fucked up shit we've done and yeah. we need to reconcile with that every day as American, like on a, on a broad scale. And I think that to me, it's fascinating the way this book plays like that because are, is that America? Is flag America or is the new hope, new land, whatever they call themselves? Boulder free zone? Yeah, Boulder free Boulder zone. Boulder free zone. There are America. no boulders in that zone. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think that that's a very fascinating question. And even if you took it on like a governmental level, like what works? D does democracy work? Because I got to tell you, by the end of the story, they're very questioning whether or not their boulder new, new zone, free zone free is going to work. Right. And we know the dictatorship doesn't work, but there were some good ideas that he had. <laughs> well, and there was, there's the one part where they're talking about how like turning the power back on and everything that's happening in the Boulder Free Zone is very like, we're just, what we're just going back to the way it was. And maybe I identify with Glenn. Um, but like, <laughs> um, but like how he talks about like, we are, we wiped ourselves out. And we're just going to say, okay, let's go back to what we were doing before. Obviously, something out there decided that we're not allowed to live anymore. And so, like, except for these particular people. And so, and we're just going to, what, go back to normal. Like, we're going to have democracy and we're going right. to, like, have all this stuff. It's like the, the, one of the inspirations that King mentions for this story is there being, like, a, a chemical spill mm -hmm. and the winds were blowing in the direction of this sheep farm and all the sheep died. And he heard on the news one of the anchors say, like, if the, or sign, I don't know who said it, um, that if the wind was blowing in the other direction, Salt Lake City would have been gone. And it's kind of like that. It's like the it, the wind will blow and you might be gone. Um, 
uh, you know, it's, it's a force we don't understand is trying to get us to live differently and we're just going back to our normal. Uh, I think it's, it's something, if I could reference a uh, mise on scream episode oh, that you guys, too. that you guys talked about, I believe it was in your night of the living dead episode about how it's kind of like, it's like that species population check. Like every yeah. other species has this kind of built-in population check where it will plague itself and it will wipe itself out. And the only reason that humans, you know, aren't wiped out is because we are advanced enough to combat the natural plague that tries to wipe us out. And, yeah. you know, this, this speaks to the idea of at some point there could be there could be a, a plague that we aren't ready for. There could be the super flu. Captain Trips could come through, and we're just we're just not ready. We're not equipped. It's no. too fast. It's too strong, and it's too smart for us. And then suddenly, we're you know a third of our population. Yeah. Right. And is is the stand then good versus evil, or is the stand us fighting against our own nature? That's like what I really get from this, because I think that at the end of the day, the capitalism and the consumption and so much of what makes America, America is what kills us at the end. And you're right. We just fucking turn around and go right back to it. And I think the stand. So like, I think Stephen King, like so many of us is so torn on this. Cause like so many of you, he's obsessed with like the everyday, every man, like hero, like the, the working class hero trope. Yeah. And I think we see that with, characters like Stu I think we see it with all of his writers because at the end of the day these people are by no like Stu is just a normal dude and he even jokes about like being rednecky but he's wise from observ observation and from experience and from looking at the world around him and that I think that's why King also so many of his protagonists are writers because I think writers by nature also observe the world around them more and I think that what he sees is that Yes, this small town idea is so quaint and so lovely in theory, but is it, can it be sustained in real life? You know what I mean? And I think that he, like so many of us, struggles with what it means to be American and what the identity of America really is, and if we are white or black. And that's why I've always loved this story, because I think it speaks to the heart of the individual, like, would you, would you hear Abigail or would you hear Flag? But it also speaks to our larger conscience. Are we a country that can stand for something good, or are we the bad guys and we just don't know yet? Mm -hmm. Well, and something else too, and I don't, maybe you guys can clear this up for me because I'm, I, maybe I, eh. but, um, is that it seemed like both parties get both dreams. True. Like that, you know, the, the people in Abigail's camp talk about seeing the dark man and immediately identifying him as a force of evil. So I kind of like got this interesting, like thought that like, it's, yeah, you might get one or the other, but you might get both and you're ultimately the one who gets to decide where you go, whether you're gonna follow Abigail or whether you're gonna follow Flag. Yeah, like, cause Nadine and Harold are proof of that, right? Yeah. Like yeah, that. cause you have free will well, and you can pick, but then if you go to Mother Abigail's side, you lose your free will because religion demands you to do things, so. Wow. <laughs> no, it's, she even says it in the book, or she even says it in the movie that like you, if you, when she tells Stu and all of them, like, you got to go with the clothes on your back, you got to walk, you got to make it on your own way. You know, she's like, it's your choice. It's your free will. But and then. something else, I just, it's, this kind of bothers me. And maybe it's because I never got to the end of the book, but what they just, <laughs> they, two things. One, if, if we're talking Tolkien here, like you, Stu's our Bilbo, right? Or, uh, 
Frodo. 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 So what, like Frodo breaks his leg on the way to Mordor and Sam and the rest of them have to go. And then they just stand. They just stand. And then something supernatural happens and blows up a nuke. And they oh, don't even no, actually no. do anything. Like they didn't, if they didn't go, Trashman would have brought the nuke anyway and they would have, it would have blown up. Like what? It made no sense that they just followed her blindly into their own death and then nothing came of it. They, they were not redeemed. Religion! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think that's fair. I think, I think, um, I think that's all fair. I, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think it is. It, it, it talks to sacrifice. I think, I, I just, when I, when I hear you speak that way, and I get it, because I, I get it too, I think a lot of free will gets crushed by so many of society's, like, things like religion and fucking duty and all that shit, but is flags more appealing then? Like, I guess. Well, you don't have, I'll say you don't have free will on flag side either. Right. So, because like people are plotting free will from. You you can't go with either. You have to just be free. You have to be, you can't, it's not about, you you can't pick a side. It's, it's like, you know, yeah, you've got good or you've got bad because those are the two defining, you know, camps. But then there's got to be. Yeah, but I think you can be a good person and not have to affiliate yourself to somebody else's agenda. I think it all comes down to, at least for me, it's it's my it's my one of my favorite quotes ever because I always remember it, and it's from Dogma, and Chris Rock says it, and I've said it before on these on screen, and I'll say it again. It's yeah, you can change an idea, changing a belief is harder. So having good ideas and acting upon those ideas and then being able to change and say, okay, I'm going to pivot that because obviously this was wrong is the difference between like a, a real, like that religious fervor, evangelical, uh, you know, that kind of thing versus like just living a good life. And like, and I think there are people out there who adhere to religions and understand that they get to like believe certain things, but also like you know, I, I, because I have my own free will, I can choose the path that works for me. And I think that it's, as long as you keep it an idea, but if you, when you subscribe to it, like it's a belief and you can't get away from it, that's when you're fucked. Yeah. I also kind of live by that, that rule too. And I also love the quote in Dogma when they talk about the cup, like when I, when (laughs) raising my kids, I've had a very, I've I've also lived by this motto too, where like (laughs) when you're little, your cup is little and it's easy to fill. And you need that cup because bad shit happens when you're little and you need something to rely on, something to have faith in. But when you get bigger, your cup is bigger. It's a lot harder to fill that cup. I love both of those quotes so much. Mm. I think that if I could like make my argument for why I do consider myself someone with faith, it would be that movie because I do have these ideas and, and I like them and they're selfish and they, they bring me comfort. And I acknowledge that because like I have a husband who's an atheist too. And he very much is like, that's just you trying to comfort yourself. And fuck yeah, it is. But I'm not hurt of anybody. I was going to say, like, that's, I can say that that is truly one of the perks of having a belief. Yes, that's a perk that. that I don't have, yes, is yeah, I don't yeah. have a belief that's so strong that in times of strife, like, I can just kind of, you know, I don't have the, I can say a prayer or I can kind of reflect to my deity of choice and somehow feel comforted by that. Like, you've got perks that I don't have. Yeah. In having your belief, which and, is and nice. again, I would I would admit own the selfishness of it, own the self servingness yeah. of it. But I also know myself, and I know that when put if push came to shove, I would do whatever the fuck I would. See, but do. I don't think that that's <laughs> selfish. I mean, for someone that has that belief, that kind of 
the need for that comfort, the need for that connection with your belief, it, 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 it's like needing food. It's like needing water. It's, it's part of your existence. It's part of what makes you get up and go every day. So I wouldn't call that selfish. I would just, I mean, that's just kind of part of your, your healthy lifestyle of you need to eat food every day. You need As to she drinks sleep. her water. As she, you know, with her water. Yeah, like you need, you need food, you need sleep, you know, and for some people, they need that belief. You know, I, there are plenty of people in my family that, that kind of need that daily, you know, affirmation with their God that, that kind of, you know, my mother says prayers in the morning when she's brushing her teeth and bless my daughter and, you know, keep my family safe the whole nine. It's a part of some people's day. Yeah. And again, like I said, I, I am sometimes that, yeah. I'm jealous of, of the comfort that people can receive from their religion sometimes. So it's like, you know, I'm going to sit here and, 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 you know, I'm going to talk a lot of shit on religion, but it, obviously <laughs> if someone believes I'm not talking shit on anybody, this is me personally disclaimer. If you want to believe, believe whatever <laughs> you want, like I, I don't, I, I would never push my ideas of atheism on anybody. I would make the argument, though, that organized religion has done more harm in our world and history than good, right? Yeah. I mean, any what? fucking person with half a brain knows that. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So I'm going to throw down one of my... I don't have very many complaints about this miniseries. I, should I, I, I shouldn't. <laughs> but I will say that somewhere around the third act... Uh, the betrayal is where you realize that if you haven't read the book, you're probably a little lost because they don't do a lot of explaining of stuff because more than once watching this, it's been a while since I've watched this. And when the third part started, like suddenly Stu is, you know, doing an appen app appendectomy on someone. Mm -hmm. And like, there's all these other characters mm -hmm. and I'm like, wait, did I miss... Did I miss something? Like, yeah, where do these people get so introduced? So many characters, yeah. The no. trash can man. Yes. Like, looking at him at the beginning and looking at him at the end, if you haven't read the book, like, you, you have to it. realize yeah. that he is, his face is, he's got radiation poisoning. Because mm -hmm. when he went down to get the warhead, mm -hmm. he was exposed to so much radiation that he's pretty much just melting away. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's one of those things where I don't think everybody fully... If, if, you know, you don't fully understand every single thing that's happening if you've never read the book, just watching the miniseries. Because so much stuff, obviously you have to leave stuff out. I mean, yes, it's a six-hour miniseries, but this was also, like, a ridiculously Is this the longest one, or is it the longest one? The uncut version of this is the longest The uncut one. version, mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Um, and I think this set some sort of record for the most talking characters in a miniseries. Yeah, it's 125. Oh, wow. 120, yeah. I have it written down. Yeah. It was, uh, it's a hell of a fucking lot, though, for speaking minds. Like, yeah. It's like yeah. literally record setting. And yeah, you're right, there's just so much depth to every character that you just can't possibly get yeah. to that. Um, well, and Larry, you know, like Larry's not as developed as he is in the book, and I love Larry. Well, and I will say, as somebody who has never read the second half of the book, <laughs> um, but there, I think this is where Garrus really shines, and I think that the King's developed ability to tell the story shines too, is because even with like the, you know, okay, I don't see the radiation poisoning, but it's obvious that like he's 
decaying and you can kind of get the sense that something has happened to him, whether it's he's been out in the sun too long, which is what, where we first saw him, or he's like melting because of radiation and stuff like that. You, you see that he's falling apart the same way that people in, with the flu did. And, th and th there's this kind of too, starting with the appendectomy, talking to that point is like, it's okay that I didn't meet this character. I understand that they're on the road and they're trying to get by the best they can. And sometimes really terrible things happen. And so it wasn't, and, and that's what was introduced. That was what was shown. It's this kind of show don't tell thing that I thought was done so well in this because it like, I don't necessarily, yes, reading the book would give me more information, but it's not necessary to my viewing for that to be in there for me to understand that, okay, yeah, they're on the road and shitty fucking things are happening because yeah. it's, it's that hard to get to where they need to go. There were parts where it was obvious that like, okay, like it would, this would be more enjoyable if I had more information. Um, but I can still watch it and accept it as is and enjoy what's happening. Agreed. Yeah. yeah agreed. Garris did such a good job. I mean, like you said, like hundred plus speaking characters, mm -hmm. like this is just, this is a cast of too many <laughs> but it was it was uh i think yeah like i said outside of that you know th this is one of those mini series where i will i will no pun intended i'll stand by it uh, it's uh, uh it is it's such it's such a good mini series and like you know it it was like when you're flipping through tv and it like pops up on sci-fi like it's one of those like no matter what you're doing oh, you stop doing it and you're gonna watch it. Yeah, you just it. put it on from no matter what point you're on you just you just go from there yeah. because mm -hmm. the stand is on so a couple random notes I had running through the old head while I was watching. <laughs> First of all, apocalypse happens. I am fucking useless. My skills are reading and writing because like they turned the entire electric outlet circuit back on. Like I couldn't even begin to do any, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a judge, I'm not a politician. I am useless in the apocalypse. <laughs> True story. Yeah. Number one. Okay, you're not invited to the commune anymore. Yeah, yeah. no, you don't want me. Honestly, you don't want me. Maybe comic relief is the only thing I bring to the table. Okay, well then maybe also, we can deliver. Also, if you had to cook and eat someone, I'd probably be a good choice. A lot of meat <laughs> on these bones, you know what I'm saying? Um, number two thought I had is sending Tom and hypnotizing him the most unethical fucking thing I've ever seen. You're, you're basically like, it, it sat so not right with me this time. It was the first time I ever had this thought because I get that he's so innocent, he's so pure, and it's the perfect weapon against Flag because he's so simple, but they literally hypnotize him and trick him into going. Well, so there's two, two facts to this. I mean, two parts to this, of course. The first is that I like the idea that they realize they need to send him because Flag can't sense him. Flag, Flag said he knew from the very beginning who he knew for, who the other two were. They were waiting for the judge. And then he yeah. went to the, the number two. And, but because of the limited mental capacity of Tom, that he couldn't see him, so he was blocked. And I thought that was like a really clever way of like keeping Tom out of harm's way, so to speak. Another thing too is that Flag, Flag also appears in the Dark Tower. Um, Wizard and Glass is where mm -hmm. like, he appears as Flag. So Roland and his merry band uh, wind up in this alternate United States where the play Captain Trips has taken over. And at the end, uh, the man in black appears to them, but he's going by the name Randall Flagg. 
And a large part of the Dark Tower, or uh, not large, that's right, but one of the running themes is that Roland has this ability to hypnotize people and get people to do things and say things and see things. And I thought that kind of tying in with the mythology of like that, the automatic kind of hypnotism of mm -hmm. being able to create these vessels of secrecy because of that, that, that was really fun, at least for me to watch and see how he played it into this, this story. Yeah, it's so it's the, the question that I like is is Flag just like a demon or a devil? Like what is he supposed just evil? Like I've always like kind of never been able to put the put so I it's so, on that. I mean he's uh, he's technically a wizard. Yeah, because uh, of Eyes of the Dragon. Yeah. Yeah. I um, never I never pegged him for like the devil himself. Like a like a I yeah, like a you know lower no. level demon maybe. I don't know. Because yeah. it's like, you know, when you have the if his polar opposite is Mother Abigail, and though she's depicted as she's somewhat Christ-like, yeah. she's not Jesus. So I took it as like, she's not Jesus, so he's not the devil. But they're definitely, you know, <laughs> versions of them. Like, so, you know, yes, she, she's not Christ, but maybe she's a saint. He's not the devil himself, but definitely some sort of demonic yeah. entity. Yeah, so if, if you look at the mythology of the Dark Tower, the way I've always thought of it is that there are the pillars that hold up the, the tower, the beams. Um, and then there's these auxiliary beams that also kind of anchor the tower. And, but they're at each of the ends of the, the auxiliary beams are the, the good the good are the beams. And then there's these auxiliary beams. And at each end of those are the demons. And the demons break the beams first. So one of the demons is Pennywise. One of the demons is Randall Flagg. One of the demons is something else, another story of his, or at least that's what I've always thought of it. And I'm sure there's other like fan theories out there that back it up. But as, as far as I know, it seems like most normally would be they're demons of the beam, which means they're more powerful than a standard demon, but they're not like all evil. They're still, they're still disciples of something worse. The Crimson King, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. And I never read Hearts of Atlantis, so I know he's in that too. That's the only other one that I heard he's in that I don't know anything mm -hmm. about. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Um, Do the so soundtrack though? Flag takes my knife off. Yeah. Okay. I I got the distinct pleasure of telling Mr. McGarris that Don't Fear the Reaper is probably one of my that opening sequence is probably mm -hmm. one of my all time favorite things. Just panning through, and they did a total fuck you to the censors too with it because they, one of the things they were specifically told not to do was shoot any dead bodies with their eyes open. Mm -hmm. and a, one of the shots is them just panning into this woman with her eyes wide open um with uh, that song playing and it's so good <laughs> yeah and it uses like don't dream it's over they sing eva Which, destruction so don't dream it's over was originally supposed to be fun 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 by the beach boys oh and king king <laughs> king fought for it and wanted it and garris was just like no we're not doing that <laughs> No, I think Don't Dream It's Over is so much better. Yeah, no, that one definitely is more uh, atmosphere setting than, I think There's Fun, Fun, Fun by the Beach Boys, I think would take you out of it. Yeah. yeah. With Don't Dream It's Over is a bit more poignant. Well, and that was, I think, the, the point was he wanted something that idiosyncratic and that kind of like 
off the normalcy of it. Cause there are so many shots in this with the, the idiosyncrasies. The other one that I absolutely love is when they turn the power back on. And the first thing we pan to is all of the houses with the dead bodies yeah. and the electricity turning back on. Yeah. <laughs> and they've got the woman at the table and her mixer turns on and you're like- What's funny is in the book, when, when that happens, when the electricity is turned back on in the town, they actually have to assign groups of people to run to all the different houses to turn everything off. Yeah, yeah they, they allude yeah. to that in the- Yeah, they make a mention of a turning off committee. Mm -hmm. Oh, right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's- So <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna present you guys with a question. Okay. Fuck, Mary kill. Okay. Stu, Nick, and Larry. Oh, that's a good one. I know mine, but I'm gonna open the floor to you guys. All right, ready? I'm ready. All right, I'm killing Stu. Uh-huh. Fucking Nick, marrying Larry. Me too! Ah! Katie. <laughs> that's, that's really tough. That's a tough one. It is. Because uh, I think, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be able to deal with a guy who doesn't talk. Uh, Me neither. Yeah, so, right. so, so fuck Nick, kill Stu, marry Larry. Yeah. Larry have, is a loyal boy, man. Oh, I love that. Like, I have Nadine more... like throws herself at him and he's just like, I'm married. I know he's like, what are you right in he's front of my wife? Post-apocalypse like, married, and it's like, <laughs> right? Yes. Dude, I have I have more than one note. Uh, Larry is my favorite. I love Larry. Where is it? Uh, where's Where's the Where's the? I, oh yeah, there it is. So Larry is my favorite. I fucking love Larry. Larry with a beard, hot damn. All right, now this is the only, <laughs> this is the only one that matters. F Mary Kill. Okay, time out. What? Can you please say it right? You can't, you can't say F, Mary kill and play F, Mary kill. What's the game called? Fornicate, Mary kill. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Randall Flagg, <laughs> Ratman, and Lloyd. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting you mine while you think. Obviously, I'm marrying Randall. That's my long-term game. I'm going to have a lot of fun as, like, the princess of darkness and having his baby. <laughs> I think F rat man, because I feel like there's a lot going on there to that sweet little outfit. And I kill Lloyd. <laughs> no, I am, I am definitely killing rat man. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't. It doesn't I, do it for you. It's the voice. It doesn't do it. Yeah, it's the way he talks. It's like, I, I don't, don't want to like, I don't want to be with, you know, some Yoda type. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you speak in short. It's the short sentences it and like the, talking yeah. about himself in the third person. That's yeah. True. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, in the bedroom is where you sure. can get away with that. That is true. <laughs> I, I think you know what? I think I'm with you again. I think I'm going to kill Lloyd yeah. because he's. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I I have to I have to you know fuck flag and marry Lloyd because I love Miguel Ferrer. I he love is him and everything. <laughs> he's so awesome. Marry him in Twin Peaks. I'd marry him in this. Yeah. Like ah, uh. yeah. He's pretty. He's pretty awesome. And, and then the other, the other thing, like the real unsung hero is Dina. Can we talk about Dina for a minute? She goes over there and bangs Lloyd for like years on end. And they know she's there the whole time. And then all she, the only thing she serves is she kills herself so that he doesn't get Tom's. Yeah. And she kills herself hard. Like yeah. that is the one badass, like, That's I'm just going to break this glass and then yeah. fall on it. Like, like that is. Neck on it. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, I would if it were me and I had to kill myself in that moment, I would be picking up the glass and trying to do a slit thing. I wouldn't fall on anything. Like that was badass. Yeah, I, no, yeah. I respect. And she stabbed him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also I know it didn't really affect ballsy. him at all, but right. Also right. really ballsy. Yeah. I also liked how 
like Glenn and Dina in particular, like they were so fuck you when they met Flag. And I think that's so admirable because in my head, I'd like to think I'd be fuck you, but I'd probably soil myself. <laughs> pee at poop <laughs> and then like try to be like a wise ass but I'd be all stuttery and nervous and he'd be like you're sitting there you're a pee you're you know I wouldn't be able to be like Glenn who like laughs in his face you yeah. know what I mean like God, you I make your you make your poops and your peeps I made my poops and my peeps and then I try to say something clever but I'm fucking up and then <laughs> he just kills me like that's how I die when I meet Randall Black and then I'm all yeah. bad and salty in, yeah. in hell or wherever. Or in nothingness, because yeah. you were right. And you're standing there to tell me I was right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. you were right. I could, I could just see, I, I'd be trying to be all, like, cool and suave. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm kind of, it's like I'm flirting with you. Yeah. It's like I'm flirting, but I'm actually not even interested. And <laughs> I, you're going to kill me. <laughs> I'm coming at you with a banana. You would, here's, go, you would go hard. Yeah. Here's my I banana would, I would sword. just try to be like, <laughs> you're buying it? you buying it at all? You're, Jackie, I can't picture you know, how you would be. I don't know how I'd like. be. You'd be as casual as you are right now. Probably. I'd be like, like, mayhaps I'm here to kill you, mayhaps I'm not. Mayhaps you don't exist, mayhaps yeah. I'm wrong. You'd be bitching yeah. about how I would. I yeah, would. he doesn't exist. You don't exist, you can't have my free will, you're not even real. You know what? You'd kill her just to shut her the fuck up. I'll light a cigarette, I don't smoke anymore, <laughs> but I'll light a cigarette and take the, those long, dra dramatic drags of my cigarette and be like... <sighs> You know what flag? First of all, <laughs> there's two kinds of people in this world. <laughs> <laughs> you might buy some time with that, though. Like, I would. I'd probably shoot the shit with flag for a while. I'm not gonna lie. You'd wind up I'm not gonna lie. I would, like you know. I, I I would probably shoot the shit with him for a little while. I'd maybe, <laughs> you know, I'd dissuade him from so she, much denim. She would join. <laughs> she would join him. Like, I don't know that I would join him. No, because like I said, I don't want to. I don't want to be under anybody's authority. Like, that's not my jam. Like, I don't, mm -hmm. I, let me just, you know what? I'll be okay, your friend from the outside. Amy, you know that you live <laughs> under so many, like. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm not talking about, like, lawful. I'm talking about, like, the voice <laughs> well, of All authority. of a sudden, you're like, I don't live under anybody's rule. I don't I do mean that. Walk. I'm jaywalk right now. I'm not scared. <laughs> Like, oh, I'm gonna go outside and litter. <laughs> that's it. That's how I rebel. I rebel in like, like I'm gonna jaywalk. I'm gonna litter. Mm, don't litter. Littering's bad. Yeah, she's scumbag. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can jaywalk. That's okay. Yeah, so I wanted to mention something because I thought this was distracting to the point where I had to write a note about it. <laughs> like all of the unexplainable costume changes. Oh, like, so many. Nadine is on a bike riding to Vegas in a this like black strap in this black strappy thing when Harold goes over the cliff. But then like the next time we see her, she's back in her, you know, khaki pantsuit. Yeah. And uh, and then there's like there's other times it's like, what why are you people even dressing anything? Like yeah. the world is over. Brandy what are you doing? Just like some weird ass fucking like I don't know if she's just trying to find clothes that fit her in the room. <laughs> but like girl, what are you doing with like, outfits? Too? I honestly feel like there would probably be I would have like three outfits and they'd be t-shirts and jeans mm -hmm. and that's what I would cycle through. Yeah. Like over and over again. Life. Yeah. Yeah. The same. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the world has ended like, you know, you loot some stores and you know, suddenly I can afford White House black market, you know, a, a pantsuit. Maybe I'm going <laughs> to mayhaps, mayhaps yeah. I'm going to wear a pantsuit for the first yeah. time cuz it's free. 
Well, I just, you know, like you're, you're wearing this, you're on a bike. The, the Nadine one was the one that really yeah. gets me because it's like, you're clearly not carrying anything with you. And like, you just keep changing outfits. Like you're- Like where you did know, she get those? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like you're not Madonna with 10 costume changes. Like what the hell? Harold's were the worst to me. Harold's, Harold's were story terrible. arc with like, the he just got worse and worse. And what I got to tell you, I've never been- what is the opposite of turned on? Because when I saw him naked with his socks on, I wanted to bark. <laughs> like, we're, we need we need a turn off committee for Harold. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I was so schemed. Nadine really took a lot for the team, man. She did. <sighs> oh, I like how so she cute. also goes full Daenerys. Like yeah. after she fucks yeah. him. <laughs> Only like with, her gray hair. with her flowy purple and like so, yeah. except for no no nobody's there to do her braids though so. no, no. Yeah. i don't know where these people get these clothes but i gotta tell you in the apocalypse i'm i'm getting outfits you're right i'm, I'm telling you Malibu stores are empty like 12, and you yeah. can go in and you know what you can get that like you i know said what? that you're power like suit. On the bike, you're like fuck it i'm gonna dress like yeah well then yeah. then i'm more concerned about the kind of clothes these people are choosing because i just go like psycho crazy nobody cares like oh, it'd be awesome too. i'd wear like these giant bell bottoms with fur coats and like it'd be amazing i'd go full-on mad max like i'd get the skull on the top of my head like i would just go bonk. i have some friends that could help you with that oh perfect <laughs> why am i not surprised that you do <laughs> um i just envisioned myself in like a prom dress on a vespa just cause <laughs> oh my god i got to ride a vespa for the first time it was so oh, pretty jelly I vespa, you guys. oh no i want a little mint green vespa when we live I'm in the home, girl. We'll get a, we'll get oh one. we will we will Oh, no, I think they're called you. rascal scooters. You want to come to the home with us? <laughs> they're, all of our, we're, they're not, we're all gonna outlive yeah. our husbands. They're they're not Vespas. They're v rascal scooters. Rascal we're gonna scooters. have our rascal scooters. <laughs> we'll just call them Vespas. We'll call them Vespas. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We'll just paint Vespa on the side. Yeah. Like, oh, it's totally legit, guys. <laughs> I got a Sharpie marker. It's like v it's gonna say like Vespa. <laughs> I'll misspell it because I'm old. It's just that's my life. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you in? We can fit one yeah. more in our. Yeah. Um, we're gonna continue Jersey goals but it'll with our unplugged microphones yeah and like an extra sketch because <laughs> we're not gonna know so like yeah. my kids will just be like here mom do your recording okay, do your record it'll be just like when i was a kid again when i would record on the tapes cassette and yes, yes. Do. it's yeah. the katie show oh my god i can't believe any of us are shocked that we do podcasting because literally we all made recordings when we were yeah there. i still have tapes of my like I stupid little I, radio you know I, shows I hope i stuff. can find them either me or jenny has them but we me and my best friend growing up we had the show and we used very, very good name yeah you know what making gravation sorry you're gonna speak spanglish do it correctly <laughs> but yeah we used to we used to we, i had a karaoke machine and instead of using it as a karaoke this machine, this fucking hoity-toity bitch had a karaoke uh, machine. I just spoke into the freaking recording. We, did, we had a little karaoke machine, and okay, instead of using bitch. it as that, we just used it as like a fucking Fisher-Price tape recorder and recorded ourselves talking. <laughs> and sometimes singing. We would sometimes sing, but we mostly uh, just talked about boys. Fast forward 20 years oh, later, really? here we are. See, I, I would do commercials, and then oh, I would put too. a song in between them, oh, like, I, 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 off the like radio. Pre-show for me. My brother and I would do 
entire segments. Then we do musical interludes. Yeah, only like it would always like I I'll never forget singing Private Eyes. If you're watching, <laughs> my brother kept pushing me away from the microphone, and all you hear is my grandmother screaming, and so let me sing too. <laughs> I just, you know what I need though? I need some good, like old lady catchphrases, like Sister Abigail, uh, Mother Abigail. Yeah. Sister Abigail. Sister. Um, sorry, that is a wrestling move by Bray Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I was just, I, I wrote that down because I remember like Abigail had quite a few awesome, like old oh, lady catchphrases. So many. And I didn't get to write them all down, but I was, I was just like, yeah, we're in the old folks' home. We can do Mother Abigail catchphrases. Oh, I will write. on our podcast. Yeah. yeah, I think when I hit like fifty, I'm gonna answer everything with mayhaps I do and mayhaps I don't. Yeah, like everything. well, that's something that you and I have been saying for years. <laughs> that's true. Like that goes do. back to college with us responding mayhaps I do, mayhaps I don't. Yeah. And I will often say M O O N that spells whatever I'm talking about. To yeah, to be honest, M O O N that spells podcast. <laughs> that's gonna be the name of my next podcast i'll stand all the time um so you know what to go back to something i'm just glancing through my notes to see if we haven't talked about anything uh, i'm gonna go back and agree with katie about uh molly ringwald's acting oh, ability and, because i have a note that like Stu and fran like there's no chemistry like that's such a forced coupling it just it doesn't work with no, Stu and Fran, matter. like at all. And no, and I don't want to blame that on Gary Sinise because he's he's, he's a national treasure. Yep. So I'll blame it on Molly. Oh my god. You I said national treasure. Drink. I had I literally have that Every she's episode. a national treasure. Yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> Wait, you have that Molly Ringwald well, is a Molly national treasure. equals national treasure. No, okay, yeah. here's the thing. I'm not denying her treasureness. I'm just saying that when you watch her in anything other than like 16 Candles and Breakfast Club and that that stuff, you realize that she's really not good at it. Like she, when other people are talking, you can tell that she doesn't know what to do. And when she <laughs> and she'll say something like with an emotion, and then immediately and just shut down and be like, like, and then yeah, she doesn't she's know. She's an what open to, mouth, like toothy breather. She'll be like, yeah. <laughs> Like that. And it's just, it's her like, and open. she says her lines like with this, like, it's only important to her that she says it, and it's not in any way <laughs> reacting to anyone else around her. Like, I'm sure she would have a very successful one woman show. Jesus Christ, let's hope we don't meet her and then we have to go back and cut this episode too. <laughs> like I said, still a national treasure. Don't back Not up. a good it's actress. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Man. She does this like deer in headlights line delivery sometimes where she delivers a line. What about her tears? Yeah, she tears. delivers a line and her <laughs> eyes are real. like, her eyes are so big. She's like, oh my God, Stu, the baby. The baby, Stu. And her eyes are gigantic <laughs> wide. Well, and so much, so much of this movie is this over-the-top soap opera acting. And I love it. I Me can't too. even hate oh, it. Like, it's it. so... And it's all over. 90s sitcom stars. Yeah. It makes me really happy, well, too. Like, nobody knows who Parker and, Lewis is anymore. <laughs> You know what's what I think is so funny is too is that K, uh, King really wanted like Christopher Walken or someone like that to be Flag, and um, Miguel Ferrer wanted to be Flag, and then they saw what was it? Um, Miguel Ferrer would have been a better Flag. 
whisper. Oh, I, I know. Jamie Sheridan it, is such a good flag. Yeah, and it was like Whisper in the Dark or something. <laughs> like so there's mostly. there's some movie he's in, and uh, he's he, but he was fair fairer knew him and was like, hey, like come try out for this and it's a very like Steven Weber the shining kind of situation where they really just couldn't find him and then this guy who just had done a tv show walks in and maybe a tv movie or something and they're like oh okay you're our flag or as with Steven Weber it was your because it was the same situation yeah. on both on both of them where they were like are we even gonna be able to do this we can't find this guy and none of our A-listers want to do it. One of the things that I love about Jamie, is that his name, Jamie Sheridan? <laughs> Jamie Sheridan, yeah. I love his flag, is he has that masterful, like that-, that Masterful. Masterful. <laughs> he has that, he has mastered that cocky half smile. Like he has this smirk on his face most of the time that I'm like, that, to me, like that is flag. Like that is that, like, I'm going to be the cool- denim like persuasive like come to nobody, my evil side nobody wears that much denim at school no, 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 no i did in like 1992 yeah. you know so many thank god you know and i also loved when it, it is what it's after it's before nadine kills herself when they're up in his suite and like he gets all angry and like oh, he, he, has puts a his, baby tantrum? he puts his hands in the front of his pants like al bundy <laughs> When he has his Kylo Ren tantrum, I'm like, I fucking can't. What is he doing right now? Get your shit together, Randall. God damn it. Well, and that's why that's why Ferrer's great too, because I, that when the when he throws all the stuff all over the thing, and he's like, "Did you enjoy your drink?" And he's like, he's "Yeah, like, it's, all, it's all over the yeah, wall." Yeah, it's pretty yeah. ballsy. It's like a super awesome delivery, and then, uh -huh. but yeah, like I liked Sheridan how he kind of had the sense of humor and he was very maniacal, and he wasn't like I think the balance too between Lloyd and um, Flag made it up for a really interesting viewing because he is like, I think, Flag, well, at least um, from what I know of Flag, um, which is a man in black, uh, Martin, um, is like, yeah, he is, he's, he has a sense of humor. He knows that he's like, he's doing wicked things and he enjoys it. It's very Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah, and it's funny because thinking of Eyes of the Dragon, which is my only other like, in my head thing with flag is that it is he's very cunning and very like mischievous almost you know in how he delivers his evil so yeah that make i guess that makes sense i don't know i don't I, he is like the most unattractive version of flag i can think well i'm not i'm not looking at him for attractiveness oh, I, I was <laughs> like I, no no, no? Oh, okay. i'm not i'm not looking at him to be attractive like he's like i said he's He's the he's not, 1994 villain. I would say he's sure. not, he's not, I wouldn't call him attractive, but at the same time, he's not unattractive. He's charming. He's persuasive. He's, there's like, there's the method to the madness. When there's the agenda. When he starts undressing, though, I went in with Nadine, I want to barf. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that was, a, that was a yeah. surprising turn of, yeah. like... <laughs> Like, like you know, she's pretty, but like, she's so fun. Like she's so whacked that you're like just feel bad for her. So you can't even enjoy her her PG made for TV nudity. Which PS, they'd never get away with that on um, made for TV series. Um, also, oh and God. I'm gonna throw this down because I know I'm probably the only one at the table who feels this way. I love McGarris's The Shining made for TV movie. <laughs> <laughs> I have about that one. I have a new appreciation, but I just the kid. 
The kid bugs the hell out of me. Just just shut your little mouth. Oh, like when I watched The Babadook. Or when I tried to watch The Babadook, but couldn't finish it because I wanted to punch my TV because the kid was so annoying. At least the kid in that is cute. He's just a fucking ass. No, he's not cute. He's not as bad as the kid from The Shining. The kid from The Shining is terrible. Oh, my God, that kid. Seriously, did he get, like, facial reconstruction done? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, yeah, he, he kind of actually looks like he had a cleft palate. <laughs> he looks like one of those kids. Really? You know oh, what? It's, it's been a while since I've watched the made-for-TV Shining. I just remember that I love Steven Weber because Wings is always one of my favorite yeah, shows. Who um, and Rebecca Dean Mornay was great as Wendy. Oh, I forgot that she was Wendy. I just mm. enjoyed the fact I'm that like, it was... somebody <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> I just, uh, I remember that I enjoyed it because it was so faithful. Yes. It was yeah. so faithful to the book. Yeah. Well, and that's, what I, that's what King said about uh, Garrus, because I think this is really interesting, is that the, the King met Garrus because of sleepwalkers. And, which, okay, like, you people cat disease, like, but so, but this makes a lot of sense to me, because what King said, the, the thing that he loves about Garrus is that Garrus takes what is given to him at this very faithful face value he doesn't question any of the meaning behind it and is just like how can i best display this for the for the purpose of which it was written like he didn't he doesn't try to manipulate it he doesn't try like he manipulates it so that it can tell the story better but not so that it impacts it's very different from what Kubrick did. <laughs> it's like the exact opposite yeah. of how Kubrick yeah. did it. And so after when work after working with him on that, that was when he kind of started championing the idea of Garris doing um, the stands because yeah. they originally okay. This film went through four uh, directors or like people that it was tossed to. Uh, first Argento it was being one first it was yeah first it was Romero. They actually, the reason Creepshow was even made was to fund a movie version of The Stand. And then, yeah, Argento was tossed it after Romero kind of got, they, they couldn't get any studios behind Romero. Um, and then uh, when they started looking at TV, they got wanted John Borman. And then when the script was actually completed before, and, like, and Mick, or, uh, King was already like, I want Mick Garris, I want Mick Garris. They were like, how about Brian De Palma? And they're like, no. And he's like, no, I want Mick Garris. And they're like, he's like, I'm not making it without him. And that's how this happened. And the, therefore, the re relationship that happened from that, which led to The Shining and um, Riding the Bullet and all those other ones. He and Darabont are like the kings of king. Yeah. I can't help but wonder what Argento or Romero would have done with it, though. Mm -hmm. Romero would have been, I think, really interesting. I think Argento is a visually captivating storyteller, but I have a hard time with him doing something so... Midwest. Yeah, that's a good point. So American and also so character driven. I don't think that's his strong suit. No, I think his strong suit is the visuals. I think I enjoy a lot of his movies um, because of how they look, not necessarily how they're told. Uh, it got six primetime Emmy nominations. It got a win for makeup effects. Nice. That scarecrow face and that demon face and Ooh, uh, trash, trash man's makeup. And um, <laughs> well, and because they had such a limited shooting schedule, they couldn't do facial hair on their guys. So they would, they would cut their long hair and attach it to their face with static electricity. They would like electrify them and then stick hair on their faces. Oh, that's and, funny. And uh, so, the, yeah, and so it was Steven, Steve Johnson and XFX Makeup won awards. I also would argue that the Lincoln Tunnel scene creeps me out so bad. 
like the idea of having a walk yeah. through the Lincoln Tunnel, like having grown up there and like spent so much time going across the bridge and the tunnel, so fucking terrifying. I don't know why he didn't take the bridge. <laughs> yeah, so, um, and actually, Eli was, was going to be here with us because he knew Mise on Scream was going to be on tonight, but unfortunately, he's out in the desert looking for nukes, so I don't think <laughs> yeah. he's going to make it tonight. Yeah, he ran off going, my scooter. scooter. <laughs> and I, like, I can only assume he means Marissa, but. Oh, yeah. no, I. <laughs> you're, his, you're his demigod. <laughs> I don't know about all that. I also heard him singing, baby, can you dig your man? So he was into it. He was into this <laughs> episode. <laughs> Randall does a sexy version of he it. He does. Baby, can you dig your man? He's a righteous man. Tell me, baby, can you dig your man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Katie, as always, thank you so much for, for being on tonight. Oh, thank you for having me so, so much. Yes, we'll have to have you on again when we do the shining. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my whole note is, uh, is the kid is terrible. <laughs> Just like yeah, so, all right. and, and just like how Zach unfortunately could not be here this evening. Yes. The notes he left me were, "This needs more Rob Lowe." Agreed. And then the second note is, "Rob Lowe doesn't talk." I'm not watching this. <laughs> Tell us, remind, remind our lovelies at home. Where can we hear me's on screen? EliRoth.com. <laughs> <laughs> Official just sponsors. Just, yeah. Just kidding. Don't go there. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> it's probably scurry. <laughs> <sighs> Ahead, you can Katie. find us. You can find us at Eli Roth on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> official at Eli Roth. Official. If you want to talk to us, just at Eli Roth. He'll, he'll get the message to us. Too sweet. A A M A. No, you could uh, find us at misenscream.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Misenscream, the Cure for the Common Horror Podcast. And Jackie, what I was going to mention is what it is called when. Uh, disease wipes out everything unbeknownst is a Malthusian error. And that is the kind of analytical analysis and theoretical stuff that you can hear on Mise on Screen. That's right. And chances are I would mispronounce it. I'd be like Mahusian, Mahusian. Mahusian. Yep. And that's the kind of stuff <laughs> I would also find on Mise on <laughs> So when Katie gets smart, I show how stupid I am. <laughs> <laughs> and also, if you're looking to join the Eli Roth fan club, you can come over to BeesOnScreen.com and click on the link uh, where Eli is. Did you make me add that link? Yeah, you have to add a fake link. Yeah. And it'll just take you to Jersey Ghouls. Yeah. <laughs> where else can we find Jersey Ghouls? We can find Jersey Ghouls on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, both our page. Join our Facebook group. Come talk to oh, us. So much come fun. say hi. We love interacting with you guys. So, uh, yeah, like it, love it, subscribe it, both Jersey Ghouls and Me's on Scream. Give us both all the love that you have. And if you want to check out my acoustic version of Baby Can You Dig Your Bed, please check it out on Facebook. I'm going to be going live to perform it. Acoustic. Just like uh, Alanis Morissette Unplugged. It's going to be legendary. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring it back unplugged, you guys. I know, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yes, you should be. <laughs> Eli's gonna do backup, he's gonna do the tambourine. <laughs> he's gonna be in the back going, he's a righteous man. <laughs> I just can't wait till we get our cease and desist. I know. <laughs> I think it's when we get our standy air cardboard cut out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, so we hope you've enjoyed this episode on the stand. Thank you again, Katie, for joining us, and we will see you guys next time. M O O N. That spells of a bye. And now, by request from Bay Ridge, Larry Underwood, and Baby, can you dig your man? Well, Baby, can you?
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 